This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I want to start with Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul's writing by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, or as I like to say it sometimes, the Holy Ghost said through the Apostle Paul, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for the Gentiles. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now we know what the good news is. The good news is, and that's what gospel means, it's, uh, the word gospel is defined as good news. The good news of, of Jesus Christ is that the work has been finished, that somebody paid the price for us. If there's still a price to be paid, that's not good news. If somebody still has to die for sins, to pay the price for sins, if you still have to die for your own sins, there's no good news in that. Now, even those that in the church world that say that healing is not for everybody, or that you never know what is, whether it's the will of God to heal you, even they have to admit that the word that the Holy Ghost used, and he didn't have to use this word. There were other words that could have been more specific. But the word that he used for salvation Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. In other words, the power of God for whatever salvation is, is released through the good news, hearing the good news, recognizing the good news, coming to understand the good news that Jesus has already paid the price. But the word salvation, there are two words in the Greek language that are used throughout the New Testament for saved or salvation. And they mean virtually the same thing. I guess the difference between using one word as opposed to using the other is a matter of grammar. But the word is an all-inclusive term that means to rescue, to deliver, to make safe, to make sound, and to make whole or to heal. So Paul is saying that the gospel, the good news of Jesus that we receive by the word of God, we could even say the, the word of God that tells us what Jesus paid for is the power of God to rescue. It's the power of God to deliver. It's the power of God to make safe or sound. And it's the power of God to heal. The word is the power of God to heal. Now notice what it does not say. It does not say God will send healing power from heaven so that you can be healed. No, the healing power from heaven has already been given to us. And that power, according to what the Holy Ghost inspired John to, uh, Paul to write, is the word of God itself. Now turn with me over to Romans chapter 10. Let's look at another verse of scripture here regarding this concept. Romans chapter 10, notice the ninth and the tenth verses. Again, Paul is writing and he says, that is, well, let's back up to verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Paul said that he preached the word of Christ, or the word of faith. The gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul preached is called the word of faith. The Holy Spirit inspired him to call it the word of faith. Notice how it works. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice the word saved in verse 9 and the word salvation in verse 10. Those are the two words that are used throughout the New Testament. One is the word sozo and the other is the word soteria in the Greek language that's translated saved. 
Clearly, they mean the same thing. Clearly, Paul is talking about the same thing, the same principle. He uses these words interchangeably. Interchangeably. He interchanges these words to let us know that Jesus paid the price. Now, notice what it says. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised from the dead, raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Here's that all-inclusive term. If you believe, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Savior and that God's raised him from the dead, you shall be rescued. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be delivered. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be made safe. If you confess with your mouth and believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be made sound. And if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be healed. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, rescue, deliverance, safety, soundness, and healing. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth confession is made unto healing. With the mouth confession is made unto your deliverance. Now there are several times, several places in this uh, that these words are used regarding healing. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 34, Mark chapter 5 is the story where the woman with the issue of blood comes behind Jesus and presses through the crowd to get to his, get to where he is, reaches out, touches the hem of his garment. The Bible says power went out into her. Now in verse 34, it brought it effect a healing and a cure in her body. This issue of blood for she's had for eight years or 12 years was done away with jesus said in mark chapter 5 and verse 34 the daughter of thy faith has made thee whole that word made whole is the same word for salvation well clearly it's talking about her being healed so here's a proof that this word does not just mean remission or forgiveness of sins it means healing it's part of the package In Luke chapter 18, Jesus speaking to a blind man that calls out for his mercy, says in verse 42, receive your sight, your faith has saved thee. The word saved there is the word sozo. It's the all-inclusive term. Clearly in this case, it was talking about healing for the physical body. The salvation that Jesus provided for us includes healing for the physical body. Now look with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, or chapter 2 rather. Beginning in verse 1, Paul is writing to Timothy and, and encourages him by the Holy Ghost to pray for leaders, leaders of nations, those that are in authority. But look at verse 4. It tells us something about God. It says, who will have all men to be saved? Here's this word, sozo. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what I want you to see is this. Just as we saw in Romans chapter 10, talking about a principle that works for everybody. Whosoever believes in his heart and says with his mouth shall enter into salvation. All of the aspects of salvation. We understand that Romans 10, 9, and 10 is a principle that works for anybody and everybody, right? 
Now, the only reason it could work for anybody and everybody is if it's the will of God for everybody to take part of it or take hold of it. So look at what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Talking about God, it says, Who will have all men to be saved? Here's this word, sozo, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That means it's the will of God for everybody to be rescued. That means it's the will of God for everybody to be delivered. That means it's the will of God for everybody to be made safe. That means it's the will of God for everybody to be made sound. That means it's the will of God for everybody to be healed. Folks, you've got to twist the Bible to come up with a different doctrine. But don't worry, there are plenty of people that have done that for you and are willing to help you in the same area of unbelief as they are in. God will have all men to be saved, rescued, delivered, made safe, made sound, and made whole. So here's the third proof that we have. Let's look at a fourth one, James chapter 5. Verse 14, it says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, verse 15, and the prayer of faith, this word prayer doesn't mean asking God for something, it means the declaration of faith, the vow of faith. So you don't have to ask God for something Jesus has already done. I'll even go so far as to say this, and I know some people will misunderstand, and some people will be offended by this, but you don't even have to pray to be healed. Jesus has already done it. If you think about it, you don't even pray to be born again in the strictest sense of the word. It's your belief based on the word of God that you heard and your confession based on the truth of God's word as, as to the principle of how to receive. That's what brings you into salvation. That's what brings you into the born again experience. Your heart belief and your confession. Well, in the same way, the prayer of faith or the vow of faith, the declaration of faith, declaration of belief in what Jesus has already accomplished. And folks, I can't overemphasize this. In the mind of God, it's already done. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me, or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Jesus doesn't have to do one more thing. He doesn't have to suffer one more moment for you to take hold of anything He's already accomplished. It's already done. And the declaration of faith or the vow of faith, or here what this is called in chapter 5 of James, verse 15, the prayer of faith, the declaration that Jesus has already paid the price is merely reaching out and taking hold of what he's already done. He paid the same price. Now, I want you to look with me over to something. We've, uh, we touched on it when we were here earlier in this series, but I want to emphasize it a little bit more. 
In Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 5, it tells us the story of the centurion, a Roman centurion. Now that means he's a Gentile, he's not a Jew, he does not have a covenant with God. He has no blessings through Abraham because he's not an heir or of the lineage, descendants of the Jews. And it says, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to this, to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now, folks, what does that communicate to you? Jesus marvels at this guy's faith. What's he marveling at? Is he marveling that somebody has faith? Or is he marveling that the faith is coming from somebody that's outside the lineage of Abraham? See, to me, this says that Jesus is identifying that he finally found the faith that he was looking for when he came to the earth. But surprisingly, it didn't come from the Jews. It didn't come from an Israelite. It came from somebody outside the covenant relationship that God had through Abraham for his descendants and his heirs. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I understand how authority works, he says. I say to this one, go, and he does it. I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to this one, do something, and he does what I tell him to do. He understood the power of words. He understood that words were to give commands, and those commands would be carried out. And so Jesus marvels. Again, in my thinking, it's he's marveling not at the faith that the guy had, but the fact that the guy that had this faith was outside the covenant promise of Abraham. He marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. He's talking about the Jews there. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee, as you have believed. I want you to understand that Jesus is identifying that this guy has already released his faith. He's not waiting to release his faith. He's not waiting for healing to come. He's already believed something. There's a past tense action to his belief. Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now notice what Jesus says. Jesus is identifying that faith is not going to be limited just to the children of Israel. But many shall come from the east and the west. He's talking about the Gentile nations. And shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Now Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are examples of those who've operated in this kind of faith in the Jews' history. Speak the word only. And the promise will come to pass. Now turn with me over to Luke chapter 4. I want you to see what Luke's account of Jesus' first time to minister since after he was baptized by John in the Jordan River in his own hometown of Nazareth. This is where he grew up. He's among people that knew him all of his life. Well, if they knew him all of his life, they knew he was a good guy. 
if they knew him all of his life, they knew that he didn't get into the mischief that the other little boys in town got into, that he handled himself and conducted himself in a righteous manner. He had to because he was without sin. So there's no possibility for them to know anything about Jesus other than he's a godly person. He lives a godly lifestyle. So Jesus appears in Nazareth, goes to his own hometown of Nazareth. We'll start in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Jesus was in the habit of going to church. You got a lot of people nowadays that say, well, I'm, I follow Jesus. I'm not part of any group. Well, Jesus is. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to follow him to church. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. I want you to notice he specifically identified these verses so that he could preach from them. He's got a specific message he wants to deliver. So he finds Isaiah 61. What we know of is Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What's the good news to the poor? You don't have to stay poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This word brokenhearted does not mean emotionally damaged or something like that. It means broken in spirit. He means to heal those that are the result of a breach in spirit. He's talking about Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden that opened the door to sickness and disease. To heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the acceptable, acceptable year of the Lord is the year of Jubilee, where everything is restored back to its original condition. That means restoration of the body as well. Verse 20, and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, that's King James English for saying Jesus said, this is talking about me. Now, they understood that those were verses that referred to the Messiah. Jesus is identifying these verses are about me. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And notice the word gracious. The word gracious means disposed to show favors. Jesus is telling them, and the Bible is identifying for us, that Jesus is telling them that he's anointed to do these things to bring help to them. He's anointed to deliver. He's anointed to heal. To benefit them. That's why they're gracious words. Jesus did not come into the synagogue and say, you backslidden buzzards. He's there telling them, I'm here to help you. I'm here to deliver you. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to make right the things that are wrong as a result of sin and its consequences. They wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, is not this Joseph's son? In other words, they're saying, how can the Messiah be Joseph's son? And he said unto them, you will surely say unto me, this proverb, physician, heal thyself, whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Now, what Jesus is saying is very simply this. He says, I know where you're coming from. I know what you're looking for. You're looking for me to prove that these verses are true by doing miracles. The same kind of miracles you've heard that I've done in other cities. 
Capernaum specifically. You want me to do the same work here that I did there. But Jesus knows he's not going to be able to do that. The Bible says in Mark's chapter 6, Mark's account of this, and he could there do no mighty work, save he lays his hand upon a few sickly folks, few folks with minor ailments and healed them. That means he didn't have any blind eyes open in Nazareth. Now, it doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. Now, I know that blows a lot of people's idea about Jesus here on the earth. Their thinking is if Jesus is the son of God, which he was, then he was able to do anything he wanted to at any point in time. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It says in Nazareth, he could there do no mighty work. Again, it doesn't say that he wouldn't. It says that he couldn't. He was prevented from doing any mighty work. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Their unbelief hindered him. Matthew 13, 58 says virtually the same thing. It says he was not able to do any mighty work because of their unbelief. So unbelief hindered Jesus, the Son of God, when he was here on the earth. But notice what Jesus explains about this. He's trying to get them to see something. So he says, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Verse 25, but I tell you a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save or except unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon. That's not a Jewish territory. A Gentile city called Sarepta, unto a woman that was a widow. What is he saying? He's saying, the manifestations of the Spirit, you remember the story, I guess. Maybe we need to go over it a little bit real quickly. Elijah declares that it won't rain again until he says so. God sends him to a certain place by the brook of water, and the ravens come and feed him twice a day, bringing bread and flesh twice a day. But then when the water dries up in the brook, the Lord tells him to go to another place, the city of Sidon called Sarepta, He said that a widow woman will sustain you throughout the famine in that city. So Elijah goes to the city. He finds a certain woman that's gathering two sticks. She's got enough meal and oil to make one little cake of food for her and her son to, to divide between them. And then their plan after that is to die. Now she needs a big enough fire to cook one cake. And two sticks is a big enough fire. But Elijah tells her to make him... Make something for him first, and the barrel of meal shall not come to an end, or the cruise of oil shall not fail. And so every day they had enough to make one more meal. Then when they went for the next meal, there was still enough left. Well, that has to be a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, doesn't it? It's working of miracles. So when Jesus uses this example, he says the working of miracles didn't work for the Jews. It worked for a Gentile. Now, why is it that God would leave his own people out of this working of miracles? And why does Jesus identify it? That has to have some connection to what's going on in Nazareth when he's there to preach. Well, what's the connection? The connection is very simply this. The people are looking for Jesus to perform a miracle on his own without any faith being exercised on their part whatsoever. And Jesus is very simply saying, Working of miracles doesn't work like that for people that are supposed to know the word and act on it. And folks, that's the same thing today. You'll have working of miracles, gifts of healings, manifestations of the Spirit of God that will work many more often times for the unsaved or the unlearned. Sometimes baby Christians. 
Sometimes Christians from churches that don't know what the Bible says about it. But very seldom does it work for believers. Because we're not supposed to get from God through manifestations of the Spirit. We're supposed to obtain what Jesus has purchased for us by faith in his word. Speak the word only. The same kind of faith that Abraham had. The same kind of faith that Isaac had. The same kind of faith that Jacob had. The same kind of faith that the centurion had. Jesus uses another example. Verse 27, he said, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. You remember the story of Naaman the Syrian. He's a captain in the Syrian army. Through their conquest, he's got a little Jewish slave girl in his house. He contracts leprosy. He does everything that he can to get rid of it, to know with no success. But then this little servant girl comes to him, her master, and says, there's a prophet in Israel that can take care of this for you. So Naaman makes plans to go to, to where Elisha is, brings his entourage down there, all the people that are traveling with him in his caravan. Word comes to Elisha from the, his servant Gehazi that Naaman the Syrian, the captain of the Syrian army, has come down, and Elisha doesn't even come outside. He tells Gehazi, go tell him to dip seven times in the Jordan River and he'll come again clean. Well, he's greatly offended. This great man, very important man, captain of the armies, commander of the armies of Syria. He's offended. And the people that are with him have to talk him into giving it a try. Not a great deal of faith being exercised on his part. But he does do what Elisha said to do and that's all that was necessary. He didn't understand it. He doesn't seem to have any faith in it, but he does it, and he comes again, and his flesh is made clean. The leprosy is cleansed from his body. Now, what is Jesus saying? It has to have reference to what's going on in Nazareth, or else Jesus wouldn't have used the example. What's he saying? He's saying there were a lot of lepers in Israel, and none of them were healed by manifestations of the Spirit. But Naaman, who was a Gentile, outside of the covenant blessing of Abraham, then it worked for him. Now, it didn't work for anybody else, but it did work in that one case. Now, what's Jesus trying to get across to us? He's trying to get across this very simple truth. Everybody that was involved in the famine in the days of Elijah had the opportunity to have their needs met, to be provided for throughout that famine by faith in the Word of God, faith in the covenant blessing that God had made sure to Abraham and his descendants. And there were many lepers in Israel who had the same opportunity for healing that Naaman received, only in a different way. They could have claimed and believed God for the blessing of healing that was certainly a part of what God told Israel. I'll bless your bread and water and take sickness away from the midst of you. Well, that would have to belong to a leper too if he was a Jew, wouldn't it? In other words, Jesus is saying this to the people in Nazareth. You're looking for God to manifest himself to prove something to you. And that's not how you get it to work. You get it to work by accepting the truth of the word. One of the first things that God requires of us when we come into his family is to renew our minds to the word of God. That means to find out from God's word who we are in Christ and what he's purchased for us through his sacrifice. Thanks for watching today. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and gets up again each time. It does not say a righteous man doesn't fall. See, the stumbling and falling is not the issue. It's getting back up again that is. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.